Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Anne Baldwin. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Connection. Once again, I'm one of your hosts, Anne Baldwin, and I am joined by the lovely... Lisa DeMattis-Lapore, the CEO of The Connection. It's great to have you here, my favorite time of year, which is fall. It's here. It's, isn't it beautiful? It is beautiful. People don't like what's on the other side of fall, but for now, let's just enjoy it, right? Yeah, we've been blessed with our weather. We have. It's been great. But so many other folks devastated. You know, Texas just, I mean... My daughter has been sending me pictures of their neighborhoods near her. And just, if you can imagine taking everything out of your house, the trash, the mattresses, the possessions, the drywall, the, I don't know where they're going to put all that stuff. It's horrible. It is. It's very, it's really devastating. It's pretty scary. And now we've got Florida yep. Yep. Uh, undergoing a disaster right now. Right. Flew my mom up here so she would be safe. And my friends and family out there in Florida love you all, especially my new Smyrna Beach family. Please be safe and hope everything goes well for you. Absolutely. Well, you're lucky you got your mother out of there. They said, you know, it was really, really tough. And, and you know, some of these airlines jacked up the prices, I know. of course, because, you know, supply and demand, right? But this is also a great month, and I love this month yes. because it's National Recovery Month. Yes, it month. is. So let's talk a little bit about that. And, you know, it has a really special place in my heart. It's interesting because this month you could have the opportunity to change your Facebook cover I photo. See, yes. Did you see that? I did. So I saw a few people do it and I kind of hesitated should I do that or not because you know a lot of people know I'm in recovery but not everybody knows so I'm like you know I made a decision a long time ago to put a face and a voice to my recovery so I said yeah I'm gonna do it and just the comments and the support and the people that didn't know and you know it's just it's a great thing it's well, I, yeah, uh, wonderful it is because I think that what it does is show it puts a face to let people know that addiction affects everyone and it doesn't matter you know what class you are what status you're in gender anything it's really everyone if you haven't suffered from addiction we all know someone that has right you know what's interesting too in my case because um i'm in recovery from alcohol so i don't know if i always you know and people that are in the program will probably you know get, send me emails on this one i don't know if i was always an alcoholic but it hit me later in life it took me down later in life in my 50s which was really kind of different, right? Because you just don't know. And I've met people in the program that, you know, get into recovery in their 60s and their 70s. And when I see that, you know, it, it doesn't matter what age it hits you, but it matters when you seek the help that you need to find the program that's going to work for you. And, you know, you talk about different, it's, it's the, it's the, um, path to addiction sometimes too and you must see this a lot you know at the connection where sometimes it can start with a back pain 
Absolutely. And prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. And you see that. I mean, how, how prevalent is that? It's extremely prevalent. We see people at all different ages, really from teenage to, you know, adults. Uh, the big kids, I don't want to get into ages right now, yeah. Ann. Let's, let's not go there. <laughs> um, but no, but truthfully, I think that we see that, you know, someone has an injury. Plus, you know, I think life is hard and certain things will come up in your life. It could be a traumatic experience, a death of a loved one. It could be, you know, work-related stress. It could be relationship stress. It can be anything, anything really that could sort of trigger that. And I think that if you're, if you have uh, a family too, that's had an addiction problem, you know, and you've seen that and you've experienced it sometimes. And also sometimes it's hereditary. It so you, you just don't know. And I, and I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I call my addiction, my alcoholism, a disease. And it does run in my family, generational, you know, it's, and I have to keep an eye on it now for my kids and for my grandkids because it's something you really do have to pay attention to. And you talked about triggers. I think one of the biggest, because I've, I've been in recovery now almost seven years. So one of the biggest triggers for me was, and you'll relate to this, when I had to put my little shih tzu down. Oh, God. Oh, my God. 15 years, love of my life. Really, I never, I've never had a relationship like that or a day like that. And then recently with my daughter living in Texas during the hurricanes and my son in Florida um, and my granddaughter here, I mean, sometimes life just, you know, puts you in the middle of a tornado. But, and someone said to me, I can't believe that you haven't drank. If you were ever going to drink, I can't believe you haven't drank. I said, that's not the answer to my problems. It's only going to make things worse. Exactly. And why would I have invested so much into myself and my recovery? And, you know, it took me a long time to get people's trust back and for them to know that I'm, I'm working the program and I'm doing okay. Why would I blow that? Exactly. But I'm not alone. This isn't about me. And this program isn't about me. I mean, you have some statistics. It's not just me that's out there and that's that's suffering. It isn't. So um, I just want to read some of these because they're pretty compelling. Mm -hmm. Approximately 4.5 million women in the United States have substance abuse issues. 3.1 million use illicit drugs on a regular basis. And 3.5 million misuse prescription meds. This is women. Correct. Um women's body I'm, I'm talking about really women because um what really brought me to the connection was the ability to open up gender specific treatment for women substance abuse and it really wasn't until the early 1990s that research started um to develop about women and why gender specific treatment is needed and what that really means is that there's treatment for men and there's treatment for women and it is designed very differently. And in the past, it was very difficult for women to seek treatment. One, because it was geared towards men. So if a woman entered treatment, she may be in a facility where there's 15 men and three women. That's not going to work for the obvious obvious reasons, right. right? Right. Because the reason the reasons why men use and women use are very different, which we can talk about. The other thing also is that um, treatment facilities are not available until the early 1990s for women, which allowed women to come into treatment and break down the barriers that stop them from going to treatment, like transportation, like childcare, mm. et cetera. Because a lot of women obviously have kids or they've lost children due to their addiction. And where do they bring their kids? Plus it's a stigma. It was, you know, it's, it, I think back, back in the, um, you know, early 1990s, if women used 
society looked at that very differently than if men used. Mm -hmm. And I think that we've come a very long way in looking at the fact that men and women use, they both, we all use, doesn't really matter what sex you are, but also um, there isn't a stigma as great as, there still is, but not as great. Uh, You know, I remember hearing, why would a woman who's pregnant use drugs? Why would, you know, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the pressures on women are great. I think the roles that we play are, you know, mother, daughter, grandmother, you know, aunt, all those things, right? CEO. Well, yes, all those (laughs) pressures. Right, right. It's And, and, you know, people are really looked down upon. And when when our first Women and Children's opened in um, 1991, that's when I started The Connection, It was this beautiful house that was being built in a residential area in Middletown, absolutely beautiful. And I have to be honest and tell you that, you know, I heard a lot of flack about that from, you know, folks in the neighborhood, from, you know, other folks who were saying they're never going to appreciate this beautiful house. Why do they deserve it? You know, the uh, women are using, they just want to take advantage of, you know, the system. They don't want to get a job. They can't be moms. But the reality is that the stories of these women, hundreds of women that we've seen, thousands at this point, that have come through are survivors. They're strong. You wonder how they survive. We've seen every socioeconomic class of females come through our door. Every. It's amazing. And the trauma and the abuse and the things that they've dealt with have been stunning to me and the fact that they're that that they even made it to our door is is I can't even imagine Mm -hmm. and to now have seen a lot of these women that have gone through that first program 20 something years later that had given birth to um children who are now in college and successful and doing well and I you know in fact it's interesting that you you know talk about the Facebook the face you know you can put on your Facebook now that you're in recovery because I have several of those of those women on my Facebook who were my who were clients back then Mm -hmm. and who are you know master degree and have these amazing jobs and their their kids are doing fabulous and have given back to society in ways that if there hadn't been a treatment program they would not be alive right and I think that brings up the point Lee said that it's not a life sentence it's not addiction is not a life sentence and that there are resources out there and we're talking about you know female specific resources through the connection I wish I would have known about this when I was where my family was actually looking for resources and looking for help and it's never too late to fix it I mean I've seen people that have lost everything because of their addiction they've lost their homes they've lose their kids they lose their jobs but then I've seen those people also start over so there is no, regardless of your age, I don't care if, you know, there's people that are in recovery that, uh, you know, are as young as 10 years old. I know. We've had them on the show talking about 10-year-olds, you know, so you just never know when it's going to hit you and that there are resources out there is so comforting. And you talk about the stigma and you're absolutely right. It's not something that I'm proud of, It's not, but if I don't put my face in that little box that says I am living proof that recovery works, other people then may say, well, you know what? If she did it, I can do it. Absolutely. And that's my hope. And we haven't always been allowed to do that. You know, there's still a lot of um, confidentiality in the program, which I understand, but there's also people out there that have been through what we've been through, what I've been through. And if you just get the right resources and the right help, you also mentioned a lot of this is, 
triggered by trauma. Yes. So I have another, I want to read this. This okay. is really key. Um, so this is a, this is a study, um, again, that I was, you know, looking at. And I always, you know, always are doing research on the latest and greatest of, of stats that come up. And so some of the reasons why women become involved in drugs initially are often linked to their relationships and men in their lives. Research studies indicate the majority of female drug users, more than 70%, have experienced sexual abuse by the time they've turned 16, and most of the women have a family history where at least one parent had a history of drug or alcohol abuse. Mm. And it's true. We see that. Um, So I don't think, you know, you wake up one day and decide... This is what I'm going to do. I think life is difficult. Um, we experience stressors like you, we, like you talked about. Not everyone's been sexually abused, obviously, or emotionally abused, although we see a high rate of that. But we also see folks that have, you know, are, you know, have seen their parents use, their uncles use, and they're under, you know, they've been diagnosed with, it, with you know, some type of disorder. Their child is dying. They're, they've lost their home. You know, if you're looking at sort of the impact of society right now, um, you know, people lose their jobs. They lose everything. We see a lot of folks that have been self-medicating because they had a mental health issue and they didn't know. They Depression is key. Mm-hmm. How many people with depression? And so they're medicating themselves through alcohol and or drugs. And so there's so many, I mean, there's so many reasons why. And if you don't have, you know, a strong support system or you don't have, you know, a place to go or people to talk to or programs, I mean, I think we all struggle with life, right? So of course. I, I, I think it's very easy to um, turn to something else to take you out of the moment mm-hmm. because life is difficult and it's hard. You know, it's very, very hard. It doesn't really matter who you are or how educated you are or what race you are. It happens. Right. And what I love about a lot of the Connections programs is that you really treat the individual. You know, it's not about, I mean, those are great statistics, but it's not about that. It's about let's get to know who you are. What are your issues? Because I know when I was in recovery, I was one of the few people, if not the only one at the time, that didn't have a traumatic childhood situation that triggered you know, my disease. I didn't have that. And a lot of the counselors that I worked with in Utah, they didn't understand that. They're like, you know, why haven't you broken down and cried and said this happened to me and that's why the way I am? Because because that didn't happen. You know, I'm not going to make this stuff up. So everybody's different. Every individual is different. And that's really why you have so many different levels of care at the connection so that they can really get to know and help and assist the individual, correct? We do. And that's really key because you have to everyone is very different you can't put everyone you know sort of in the same box and say okay we're going to treat everyone the same you have to realize a lot of things you have to realize you know what their ethnic background is because a lot of um the way that you know i can't for example there are you know some cultures where you never share what's outside of your family right that's huge Mm -hmm. and so a lot of it has to do with that it has to do with shame um, and it has to do with um, people's just inability to feel safe enough to reach out and ask for help. So yes, we do get to know each folk, each woman or client, male, female that come in, and we learn about sort of what makes them tick, and get to understand who they are. And everyone is going to every little 
it, and I think when you talk about, well, what's success? Success for one, per, one person could be very different for the next person. Mm -hmm. And so we celebrate whatever those whatever are. Whatever it is. Whatever those benchmarks are for that specific person to get healthy is what we celebrate and what we work upon. And um, that's really the only way you're going to help someone, you know, get on the road to recovery and give them the tools that they need. And then, of course, it's, a, you know, it's a lifelong process. So mm -hmm. it's ongoing meetings. It's ongoing AA or NA. And sometimes it's outpatient um, for many, many years. But, you know, going to support groups and, you know, interacting with others. And I also think that one thing that I really love about the programs that we have is to see sort of this butterfly emerge um, from this cocoon, yeah, right? Right. To, to see them fly, male or female, and to build positive relationships with others who have experienced similar things that they have. Because a lot of times you believe that it's only you. Absolutely. And there's no one else out there that's mm -hmm. going to understand. Mm -hmm. And I, re you know, I can remember so many fabulous stories about when the women first would come in, let's say to our, you know, women and children's programs that we have, they'd say, I don't like women. I can't relate to women. Women are this, women are, you know, et cetera. And then you would sort of see, you would always see this bond of these women, right? And you would see, you know, I don't want to go on pass. I, I want to hang out at the house. I want to, you know, they're doing each other's hair. They're, you know, renting a movie together. If they do go on pass, they're calling, what's happening there? I miss you. I miss you guys, mm -hmm. et cetera. And so you see that the strength that of the bond that they build together is really, really key. And, um, I, I, you know, I think that's great. It is. And that is so important, that peer-to-peer -peer support. It is. And a lot of people, I'm assuming, you know, that are running the programs at The Connection have real life experience, or as I call it, I have on-the-job experience of being an alcoholic. <laughs> I don't put that on my resume, but you know, it's, um, it helps to know that somebody else has been where you've been and can help you get to where you need to be. Exactly. That's and, and absolutely huge. It is. And that's why, you know, I think sponsorship is really important. Getting yourself a sponsor, which is someone who's been in the program for many, many years and has strong recovery behind them and can really assist and help you when you're going through an issue. And I, I think that, you know, it's interesting to me to see all types of support groups now that there are. I mean, it doesn't even have to be recovery. You know, you have people that mm -hmm. have breast cancer. You have right. people that have autoimmune disorders. You have people that have all types of ailments and issues that they have to deal with because their life has changed and their support groups to help people and I'm a big supporter of that bereavement groups and there's everything and mm -hmm. you know it's amazing the things that you can find online yes you know blogs groups right meetings. and there's even live meetings there's internet meetings there's no excuse not to and you know and you don't have to you know actively participate you can sit and listen and you know someone said to me about that you know when you listen to those programs or you go to a program you know take what you want and leave the rest take what you want and leave the rest this person also said to me you know if we all went into a room and we put our stuff I have to call it stuff because we're on the radio. You know what I'm talking about, yes. stuff. In the middle of a table. Mm -hmm. And everybody shared what their stuff was. And you could say, okay, you can take everybody else, somebody else's stuff or you can take your own stuff back. We'd still take our own stuff back. Mm -hmm. So everybody's got something, you know. And I had to like, I had to get over myself. I had to get out of my own pity party. I had to figure out what was at the core of my disease and how I could you know, over the course of time. And I'll tell you, the first few months in my recovery were really, really hard. But it does get easier if you work it. And if you keep, 
if you stay strong and you keep surrounding yourself with the programs and the people that are going to help you stay well that was really that's really really key i had to change friends i mean i had a group of girlfriends back then that i haven't seen in six years you know what i thought i'd miss them i don't I have a now I have got really true friends now I've got a whole new life and it's it's just fantastic one of the things I wanted to ask you um, and again if you're just tuning in uh, Lisa Dematis Lapore uh, who is the CEO of the connection and myself Ann Baldwin are here and we're talking about it is National Recovery Month one of the things I get a little frustrated with and I know it's a huge issue but is heroin so heroin seems to have become the star of the show you know every newscast you turn on every newspaper that you open up it's all about heroin and heroin addiction and the heroin epidemic and have we forgotten about the other things or do you think this helps us from a public awareness standpoint talk about all these other things when it comes to addiction i think the opioid crisis is huge it really is hasn't it always been that why now it's, it's bigger now. Is it? It really is. I, I remember the 80s seeing this huge epidemic and problem when I first, you know, started working um, with addictions. And it's back and people are dying. And, and the rate of it is really frightening to me. And um, it, it's a huge, it is a huge issue. The, I, I, you know, I, I what was it? I, I just saw that over a thousand, it was close to 1,100 deaths last month just in Connecticut right on the radio were we collecting those stats before I don't know but Mm -hmm. yes there it is it's true there is a rise well in the past week you know in the newspaper there's been there was a 23 year old and a 26 year old one male one female and they put right it there in the obituary that their addiction to heroin is what took their life and that's another thing that we're seeing more and more of of you know i don't i glance at the obituaries and i i gotta tell you i just i look for the young faces and i want to know why did they go you know why did they pass already and it's usually addiction you know and it's just so sad but you know i also give credit to those parents that are brave enough to put that in so that somebody else may see that and say you know what i think my kids got a problem where can we get them the help where can we get them the services you know because you you can't deny that it's happening and it does escalate it does escalate in most cases right it does and it ends in tragedy so what are some of the programs that you offer at the connection that deal with addiction per se well many of our programs see addiction mm-hmm. there's so many of them that that do so we've got you know, women, we have our women and children's programs, but we also have programs that are just for men only. And there's so many to list. And yeah. so uh, what I would recommend is for folks to please check our website at www.theconnectioninc.org. Again, www.theconnectioninc.org. And if you uh, sign on, you will see the list of our treatment programs for men and women with contact numbers to call please give us a call and we will direct you. And I know I've said this time and time again on our show, Anne, if we don't have a specific service that you're looking for, we will absolutely refer you to give you the number of who you need to call for a specific issue. If in fact we don't treat, you know, that specific issue that you're looking for, your family is looking for. Typically we do have so many programs, but in the event that there's something specific, we are going to absolutely help you. Help you. We also have outpatient treatment programs. We have intensive outpatient treatment programs. So we, we do really treat the sort of gamut of cradle the grave, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, for folks out there. 
Are you at all concerned, you know, with the state budget mess um, and a lot of these programs being cut, you know, especially from social services programs and wellness programs and things like that? Um, are agencies, worried. you are worried? I mean, what, what could worried. happen? I'm extremely worried. I'm worried. I'm worried because I see our waiting lists. So I know that the problem is not going away mm -hmm. for mental health and substance abuse and housing programs and needs for children, adults, and seniors. In fact, the numbers are rising. So if I look at wait list and how they continue to grow, and by the way, when I say waiting list, these are folks in Connecticut that that met, have met the criteria to get into our program. So it's not that, you know, we just have a random number. So mm -hmm. these are live people who are waiting to get in and we don't have treatment. Those numbers are growing on a regular basis. So if we cut back on treatment programs and close them down, what happens then? So we already don't have enough services in Connecticut, and now we have to cut back. And I do understand why we're in this crisis, and I want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem, and I'm not going to whine about it because I'm grateful for the programs that we have, and I'm going to be grateful for the ones that we can keep and for the ones that are going to get cut back. We're going to be um, solution-focused and figure out how we can rearrange treatment to serve folks. But there are agencies that will have to close because they will not be able to sustain cuts. And it's extremely concerning to me. Right. So if we think in Connecticut we don't have problems, people, we need to wake up and realize we have massive problems. And it's not just in our state, but it's all over. Right. And I, I'm familiar with another agency um, that deals with a lot of the same issues. And I know that they, their philosophy is, is if we can't fully staff and adequately you know, maintain a program, we're going to let the whole program go. So, and then you see the proven results and the people that have gone through some of these things. Like you talked about the house in Middletown and the people that have gone through there and lived there and gotten on with their lives. I mean, what a tragedy to just let these people go out there and back to where we were. I feel like we're going, I personally feel like we're going back to the stone age. So we'll just see what happens. I mean, hopefully things will, will shape up and shape you know, the, well, themselves in a way that you can continue to do what you got to do. Well, I, you know, I'm committed at the connection and I know many of my peers in the state, other CEOs are committed and all of the staff throughout Connecticut that work in, in agencies like mine are committed in continuing this work and pulling together resources. And we're going to be getting together. We have been getting together at round tables and we will be solution focused and we will figure out the best way we can to continue the services that we're allowed to have. And I also though think, I hear I being Pollyanna, I do think there will be some opportunities, though. In all of this, there will be opportunities to come together and collaborate in a way we've never collaborated before and to come up with solutions to try to assist. But still, programs will be cut. That's that's the bottom line. So we're just going to have to pick up the pieces like we always do in Connecticut, Right. move forward, continue the work, the great work that we do, and come up with other ways to treat clients with less resources. 
Well, we'll we'll hope for continued success with that. So um, again, this has been a great conversation to all of the folks out there that are in recovery or know someone who is. You know, it's it's National Recovery Month, but I hope that you're out there celebrating your recovery and all that you've accomplished each and every day because it's a major accomplishment. It is major, and there's a reason they say one day at a time because that's exactly what it is. So this has been a great program, and again, if you want any information on the topic that we talked about today or any of the programs at The Connection, go to the website, theconnectioninc.org. And thanks to all our listeners for tuning in. This was a great conversation, and we'll be back again next week, same time, same place, on WTIC News Talk 